Renaissance Network, the podcast where we have conversations about mental health in as down-to-earth way possible. How's everybody doing? Oh, man. So, uh, yeah, what's going on? <laughs> it's, still, it's still Sunday, I want you to know. I mean, it, it's Sunday night. You know, and I I did say that I was going to try to put an episode out, an episode out every Sunday, and there is still a chance that I get this episode out on Sunday. Uh, a lot depends on me editing this thing and getting it to Eric, and then obviously it depends on Eric being able to get it up, uh, you know, before midnight. I guess <laughs> whatever. I mean, it's like okay. So this week we actually passed the one year anniversary of Sunshine and Brain happening. And uh, this is the 31st. And by 31st, I mean 32nd episode of the podcast. And so it's kind of trucking along. I mean, it's it's become, as I said before, a hobby that feels really good to do. I, I, I really enjoy it. And so, I'm, you know, I, I don't I don't have any listeners. <laughs> I don't actually care. It's just fun. It's just fun to do. So. You know, I, I like doing it, and I've challenged myself to do an episode a week for this second year, which means that I would do you know fifty plus episodes of Sunshine. So that's um that's pretty cool, and, and especially since I've been doing mostly solo episodes recently, it's something that I can do. I mean, obviously, the interview format is great and fun and and awesome to do, and uh, you know, I, I I would love to do a lot more of those, but you know, I, you know. <laughs> I don't necessarily have like a lot of friends or <laughs> or like a lot of uh, people that I know to sort of talk to about that. And if I had like a an inway into like celebrities or something, we could do that. And anyway, so my my goal is to hit up everybody who's been on the pod. So we'll return to them for sure. Let me see if we can add a couple more and then have like a sort of rotational thing. That I think that'd be that'd be kind of cool. But in any case, uh, yeah. So how's everybody doing? You know, uh, um, things are kind of trucking along. Uh, it's so, um, I, I find it to be really interesting and symbolic that this is the year that the cicadas, that the cicadas are coming out of the ground. I, I, I didn't like, I didn't know, <laughs> I didn't know that that was going to be this year. And it's just fascinating to me that the, you know, this spring, essentially the all along certain places along the East Coast of America and other places in the West Coast too, like, I mean, in the, in the Midwest as well there are these bugs that lay their eggs underground and the eggs lay dormant for like 17 years. And every 17, literally every 17 years, billions upon billions of these bugs crawl out of the ground and just fly everywhere, eating and killing trees, destroying crops, all kinds of, all kinds of stuff and then die. And then 17 years later, they, come back, you know, it's like this crazy cycle. And, you know, I've kind of like tongue in cheek, but also half serious talked about how pandemic time has just sort of been different time. You know, it's sort of like summer camp time. For those of you who've done summer sleepaway camp, you know, if you do that, you kind of know that a week in terms of what you do and the things that happen and all the different social developments and things like that, you know, you kind of, you're crunching in a normal month within a week amount of time at summer camp, you know, so it's like a week long relationship at summer camp is like a month long relationship at summer camp because of how intense and ever present it is and all this stuff, you know? So it's, it's, it's sort of, 
it's sort of one of those things. But so pandemic time, I think, is really similar to that. You know, I, I think pandemic time has been, you know, this sort of weird mishmash of people all across the world sort of losing track of time because it's sort of like Groundhog's Day, you know, you wake up and it's the same thing over and over again. Oh, I'm just going to walk from my bedroom to my dining room where my little makeshift desk area is and try to get to work, you know, same thing over and over and over and over again, you know, that that's like, so that creates like this sort of inability to tell the difference between whether or not something happened a week ago or three months ago, or at this point a year ago, you know, it's, it's this crazy like time warp situation. But in thinking back to the time before the pandemic, you know, the before, the before times, uh, and thinking back to the before times, it's like, you know, it feels like 15 years ago, right? I mean, it, it feels like that long ago, like, like it was 15 years ago that the pandemic started. Like that's how much has happened in that amount of time, you know? And yeah, so now we're like emerging after like this crazy 15 year time warp slumber, just like the cicadas, you know, <laughs> only for them it's 17 years. And what do the cicadas do? They go and they eat everything. They kill trees. They kill crops. You know, this is terror in their wake. I, 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 I don't think it's like that hard to imagine that uh, the metaphor of the humans being like cicadas are going to continue. You know, I mean, things are about to get crazy out there is what I'm saying. You know, like people are just itching to be out and about and doing stuff and connecting and Oh boy, things are definitely about to be crazy out there. Anyway, so yeah, it's uh, it's Passover. Uh, it's right now Passover. Tonight would be the second night of Seder. If I was doing a second night Seder, <laughs> if I was doing any Seder at all, you know, tonight would be second night Seder. So it's the very beginning of Passover. And it's an interesting time. So this is kind of like what I wanted to talk about today. And I'm not exactly sure. I'm really taking this by the seat of my pants here in terms of like where this conversation is going to go. Because just because like I know that this is what's going on right now. And, and I'm committed to using this podcast to kind of talk about what is going on. And, and what is going on right now for me is that it's Passover. And I used to be a rabbi. <laughs> and I'm still technically a rabbi. You don't like stop being a rabbi. It's like, you know, I didn't get my license removed or something like that. But I'm not working as a rabbi anymore, and I'm not really all that into organized religion anymore. When I stopped being a rabbi, I stopped doing Jewish stuff. You know, I really stopped doing Jewish stuff. I stopped participating in anything Jewish whatsoever. You know, I mean... Just to give you an example of how far it goes, I don't even have a mezuzah on my door. Which isn't to say that I wasn't like 100% against having mezuzah on my door if that mezuzah was something from like a family member where it like meant something along those lines. But I don't feel a need to have a mezuzah on my door just to like have a mezuzah on my door. What's a mezuzah you ask? So, all right. So here's a, we're going to, we're going to talk about Judaism today, people. (laughs) That's going to be... 
our topic today is Judaism. So Judaism is a unique religion in the world. All religions are unique. You know, all, all religions are, are particularly unique, but, but Judaism ha- has its own unique sort of thing because it's very difficult to kind of classify Judaism and, and how it works. But to start with, Judaism is a religion for the people who are Jews. So, you know, Jews and Judaism, are, it's not exactly the same thing. You can be a Jew and not practice Judaism. You know, that's, that's definitely possible. Jewish people, in fact, have a hard time understanding how that doesn't work that way for other religions, for example. I mean, like, for those who are, you know, practicing Christians, the second you stop believing in Christianity, what happens is you stop being a Christian, you know. And you can even practice Christmas and not be a Christian, you know, if you, if you just, if you don't, all you have to do is not believe in Jesus, right? <laughs> The second, the second that happens, guess what? You're not anymore, you know, a Christian. It's, it, just, it just doesn't work that way. For Judaism, it's not, it's not a dogmatic faith in that way, you know. So what, what we do is, you know, we've got sort of this cultural piece. We've got this historical piece. We've got this literary piece. You know, we've got this philosophical piece, we've got this practical piece, all these different kind of pieces in terms of what it means to be a Jewish person and what it means to live by the kind of tenets of Judaism, you know, as understood by different Jewish people kind of throughout history and from different perspectives, right? And so the idea is, you know, central to that core is that you're supposed to kind of see the world and live the world and move through the world as a Jewish person. So I mentioned the mezuzah before. There's a passage in the Bible that says, you know, you shall love the Lord your God with all your mind, with all your strength, with all your being. Set these words, which I command you upon, um, you know, the gates of your house. And so you you have this this um, sort of little, little, kind of housing device, you know, this, this little thing that you hammer to the side of your doorpost and it's sort of leaning inward. And, you know, if you've ever known a Jewish person and gone to the house, you might've even seen one of these and it's sort of there in the doorpost has a little bit of a lean inward. The top part sort of faces the house in that way. And, and it, it's a, it's a case essentially. It looks like a case. And it is a case because inside that case is a piece of paper or parchment and inscribed on it in Hebrew is, you know, other words as well. But in Hebrew, the words that I just said, you know, and so the idea is, is that it's there upon your doorpost. You know, you're supposed to put it as a symbol before your eyes, as a sign upon your hands. So how you see the world, how you interact with the world, how you move through the world, you know, when you wake up, but when you lie down, like when you wake up in the morning and when you go to tell you when you go to sleep, like all those moments you're supposed to allow Judaism to kind of define your steps, you know. And if I'm being honest, it still does to me. I mean, you know, how do you shake that stuff? You know, so much of my perspective, even my perspective that has led me to a kind of anti-organized religion place is, a, is essentially a Jewish perspective. I mean, the argument that I have for it comes from the Talmud. It literally comes from the Talmud. In fact, it's, you know, one of the first arguments that you find in there where they're, you know, they're looking at the book of Genesis 
and they're wondering why the book of Genesis is in there. You know, why, why does the Bible start with the book of Genesis? And for those of you who know your Bible, you know what's in the book of Genesis. But for those of you who don't, Genesis kind of takes us from, you know, the story of creation, right? Through the story of Adam and Eve, through the story of Noah and the flood, funny little weird little passages in there sort of as part of that to the story of Abraham and then of Abraham's son, Isaac, and then of Isaac's son, Jacob, and then Jacob and his 12 sons. And this, you know, kind of tribe of nomads that, you know, grows off of Abraham has these branches that shoot off of it and become different peoples, eventually enters Egypt, you know, during a time of famine, because Joseph had been there already and had created an opportunity where Egypt had enough food in order to last and survive the famine. And so he was able to bring his family in and and the story ends as his family is entering Egypt. And then with Exodus, you know, you sort of pick up the story a few hundred years later and you have this family of 70 some odd people that has grown into hundreds of thousands and have been enslaved and have been persecuted and are in need of someone to help them and save them. And so you get the Moses story. And what the rabbis are doing is they, they look at this and they say, you know, the Jewish story doesn't really begin until Exodus. The entire book of Genesis isn't specifically the Jewish story. It's the human story. And then only in Exodus do we start with the Jewish story. So why not just start with Exodus? <laughs> That's what they asked. You know, why not just start with Exodus? And they said, the reason is, is to remind us that we're first and foremost humans. You know, our story is part of the human story, but it's only part of the human story. But we're humans first and we're Israelites and Jews second. That's why Genesis is first. That's why it doesn't back up and have the story of creation told through Moses's eyes, right? That's why it starts from the beginning. And then it brings us an entire book later to the Jewish story, right? Is, is that kind of reminder? And so, you know, I look around and I look around at what's going on in the world today. I look around at how it is that humanity sort of views itself via the lens of how they find a sense of belonging. And I've, and I see how common it is for us to place our kind of relationship to whatever group it is that we feel that sense of belonging to above and beyond our overall connection to humanity in general. You know, we, we vote in that direction, for example. I mean, like, obviously, the worst, the worst examples of how that goes is in things like the type of violence you see, you know, the ethnic violence that you see around the world, right? The kind of ethnic-based hatred that you see around the world. You certainly think about, you know, the ways in which one group persecutes another, you know, racism, right? 
I saw I saw this video. I was like, somebody was like, um, uh, tell me one thing that we did before the pandemic that was pretty awful. And this guy answered, he was like, slavery. <laughs> uh, I thought that was funny. It was like, you know, it was before the pandemic. Anyway, so point is, is that more often than not, we're placing our, our, our group belonging above the needs of the humans around us. And it's not just in the worst case scenarios that you see in racism and ethnic fighting and, you know, things like that. It's also just in, for example, just the way that we vote, you know. Why wouldn't we be thinking in terms of how do we help the humans in our country, you know, not just our fellow citizens, but all of the humans in our country? Why wouldn't we be figuring out whatever policies, you know, sort of are required to help them to be comfortable and be safe and be well-fed and have opportunity in front of them? You know, why wouldn't we want to do that because we can't help but look at them and see ourselves because they're human just like we are, you know? I mean, it, you know, it, this is a, these are points that we raised in earlier episodes of me and Andre and talking about race, you know, and, and you just look at just genetically speaking. I mean, humanity is every single human alive is and that has ever been alive is within 0.99% exactly the same genetically. You know, we're, we're all, I mean, we're all the same, we're all the same. And I just feel like any group that we sort of lump ourselves into, you know, especially faith-based groups, are all too often creating an us and a them. So, you know, I'm against it. <laughs> I don't do anything Jewish anymore. You know, but that but that perspective comes from Judaism, right? I mean, it's like, it's what they said. Like, if we forget that we're humans first, then the whole thing is pointless. If we forget that that's the basis of where we come from, you know, then the whole thing is pointless. It doesn't matter what Moses did. It doesn't matter that we were freed as slaves. It doesn't matter that we were given the land of Israel, all that stuff. None of it matters if we forget that we're humans first. That that message is so potent and important. And I think we forgot that we're humans first. I think we did. I don't think there's any way around it. You know, there may be like, you know, individual Jewish people here and there who see it like how I do and truly look at other people, even people who, you know, as things stand, are our historical enemies. Even those people that we look at them and we see the humanity in them and we refuse to do anything else and that everything we do we do in a way to help to improve their lives because they're humans just like us 
you know, but we don't do that. We just, you know, as a, as a people that we're living in a milieu where, where we don't do that. You know, among the Jewish people, we talk about, you know, in choosing a choice for president, who's going to be the better president for Israel. And maybe we should vote that way. It's like, what? We're in, we're in America. How about who's going to be the better president for our fellow Americans who need a good president for them? Who need someone who's going to, you know, fight for what they need in their lives. And not fight for the, the wealthy, because the wealthy are fine. But fight for the people who, like, actually need help. Because they're people. And so are we. And that's what we're supposed to do because they're, they're kindred. Do you know what I mean? I, I just find the whole thing so problematic. And so I've, I've walked away. And I walked away at the same time that I, you know, walked away from my marriage, walked away from the career, you know, walked away from so many people that were a part of my friendship network, you know. I, I chose to do that, you know, that there were for sure people who would have stayed in touch, but I chose to, you know, I chose to walk away. I, I wanted, I needed a, a, a fresh start. I didn't want to be Rabbi Josh anymore, you know. I didn't think that I was, as that person, doing things for myself or for the world that were good for it. I thought I was perpetuating these separations by creating belonging. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So, you know, ever since then, it's this really interesting kind of internal struggle where it's like, I kind of, I kind of float along through my, you know, apostate life. (laughs) getting tattoos and, you know, loving my job as, you know, in the secular world as a recruiter, being able to connect with people, building up a new friendship network, reconnecting with old friends like Andre, you know, doing all that stuff that I've I've really come so far since then and building the life that I want, you know, but there's this, there's this old, you know, there are these old memories and this whole life, you know, I mean, we're talking about, you know, f- 15 years of my life, if, if not more, when you include the years leading into rabbinical school that, you know, I was dedicated towards moving in this sort of direction. So you form these neural pathways and they, you know, they don't, they don't go away no matter how much you ignore them. So whenever there's a, a Jewish holiday that comes around, it always creates this kind of funny internal dynamic for me. You know, the only holiday that I sort of regularly participate in is Hanukkah. That's the one, that's the one that, that I, that I do. And I, I do it when my kids are with me because that's what they need. Because Hanukkah is the gift-giving holiday, and there's no way we're not doing Hanukkah. 
So yeah, we light candles for Hanukkah. We give gifts for Hanukkah. <laughs> we do all that. We play dreidel, do all that jazz. You know, these are the sacrifices that we have to make as a former rabbi slash single father. You know, sort of what you what you have to do. <laughs> but you know, th- there are a handful of holidays that are kind of the big ones that happen during the year. You know, first of all, you've got the Sabbath. The Sabbath is an every Friday thing. Really, really, it's every single Friday. And the Sabbath is actually the most important holiday of all the holidays because it's considered to be God's greatest gift to man and God's greatest gift to humankind. You know, the Sabbath is the holiday where we rest and rest is delicious. <laughs> True rest is amazing. You know, you, you, you can live your whole life in a really healthy way through a, a, a wonderful, balanced work rest lifestyle. You know, and that's this kind of pattern of living that Judaism offered people. And it was revolutionary. It's like new high-tech thing. Six-day work week with a seventh-day rest. You know, (laughs) how incredible. And if we all do it, then it's just what we all do. You know, like, that's like, that's, that's the one. So in the beginning of not being a rabbi because of the regularity of that, right? Because during rabbi days, you, you essentially are working Friday night and then all day Saturday, which is the Sabbath. You know, Friday night, you're leading services for your congregation. Saturday morning, there's often a Bible study followed by services, followed by some sort of luncheon, especially if there is a bar about mitzvah happening at the service on that Saturday. Right. And if there is a bar about mitzvah happening, then it's a big fancy service, you know? And so, yeah, it's like, it's a thing. Like, this is like, you know, that's like heavy work time. So, when I first left the rabbinate, it, it took me a little while to get used to the whole, like, not working on Friday business. But I've settled in with that one. <laughs> I settled, I've settled in with, I settled in with that one years ago at this point. Not having to work on Friday or Saturday is, let me just tell you, fucking amazing. Oh, my Lord. I mean, I I did it, you know, all those years. And you have to work on Sundays a lot of times, too. Like, you, your days off as a rabbi is usually like a Wednesday or something crazy like that or like a Monday, you know, which is like, ugh. Who, who wants that? And you do get some quiet time at home on the weekends. You don't have to just, like, be in the office working. But you're doing something. I mean, usually there's some kind of Sunday school, religious school thing going on. So... You're at synagogue for religious school, so you're teaching and working there. And then Saturday is Shabbat, so you've got, you know, the service you're leading. Sometimes there's two services on a Saturday, a morning and an afternoon, you know, and then always the Friday night service. So it's really one of those things where, you know, you're just on. So, yeah, that one took, like, probably, it's hard to look back and figure out how long it took for me to get used to that. But maybe a couple months, maybe a couple months to not you know, sort of worry about that one so much. Um, and then when I started like enjoying it, then it was good, you know, and it was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> We're golden. I actually like really enjoy not working on Friday nights. Oh man. Like, how did I do that? Why did I do that? So yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, at some point I started to enjoy it. Then it was just like, then it was just great, you know, but you know, that being said, there's also a bunch of holidays that happen sort of once a year that are kind of major holidays. You know, as you cycle through it, it's, um, the cluster of holidays known as the high holidays, more specifically for me, 
the two holidays in there that are kind of amazing in terms of just like not participating is Rosh Hashanah, which is the, the new year. And, and then 10 days later, Yom Kippur, which is the day of atonement. And these are big deal holidays. I mean, rabbi days, you're delivering multiple sermons that you've been working on for months. It's, uh, you know, the most intense service choreographically speaking the most intense service in terms of amount of, pe- of people there you know the biggest pressure service because these are the sermons that people talk about these are the moments that people talk about right so it's your super bowl essentially as jewish clergy are the high holidays i mean that's your super bowl and it kind of fucks up your summer to be honest because it happens in like september early october the latest so you're working on these things starting in like July, August, which is like, ugh, you sort of feel the pressure coming along. But then what's nice about it is once you get through it, because it's so challenging, then it's like the rest of the year feels like a cakewalk. And you've just like gotten it over with by October, and then you just kind of roll through the rest of the year. <laughs> but, you know, what? What? so the first couple of years, it was like leading up to it, I still kind of like had the timing of it on my radar in a way. And But like leading up to it, it was like I would feel like that feeling where, you know, you know that you had homework that you needed to get accomplished. You didn't do it, but you can't remember what that homework was, that anxiety. (laughs) So that's kind of like how it felt, you know, there in the beginning of like, you know, knowing that like, man, I like would be writing sermons right now if I was going to be leading services. And I'm not leading services, so I'm not writing sermons but I feel like I should be writing sermons because I feel like I'm going to get a call and I'm going to wake up and suddenly it's like, Oh oh shit, I'm still a rabbi. (laughs) I have to lead services. So, and then, you know, and then after a while it was like, I took it off my calendar. I stopped worrying about the dates and then they would kind of like, they started like in the past couple of years sort of sneaking up on me and it's like, Oh, it's Rosh Hashanah next week. Oh goodness. (laughs) I hadn't, I hadn't been keeping track. Oh, no wonder, no wonder everybody's so stressed out, you know, that, that sort of a, that sort of thing. So I, uh, you know, I like, <laughs> so now it's like, it sneaks up on me. And then the day of, it's like, the way I feel is that just that weird feeling of like all, everyone, you know, is participating in something, but you're not. Cause I'm just like at work and not like doing anything religious or anything like that, you know? And so it's sort of funny, like, you know, being at work and not participating, it's like, you know, I don't know, it's a, it's a weird, it's a weird kind of left out feeling. But I have no desire to participate. Don't get me wrong. It's not like I'm like hankering to be at synagogue to do something. I, I may, you know, it might not be a terrible idea to like just take the day off and go for a hike or something cool like that. I'm sure my boss would be like, fuck yeah, of course you should do that, dude. Like, why are you coming to work? go do something, you know, connect and, you know, whatever. So I, I know he'd be on board with that. So I might have to think about doing something like that in years future. But, you know, what I've done in the past is just gone to work. And so now it's like, you're just kind of at work and it's like, man, like right now they're blowing the shofar, you know, right now there's organs playing and friends of mine singing with booming voices and all sorts of stuff. And people, you know, having these rapturous moments and also not people just kind of fucking sitting there bored out of their skulls (laughs) and everything in the middle. 
you know, everything in the middle. And like, I'm not participating anymore, you know? So then like moving through the year, you know, there are lesser holidays. There's, there's a holiday called Purim, which is like the Jewish dress up festival kind of deal. And that one's always a big deal. I do get that weird kind of like left out feeling with that one too, but it's, it's less so than the other ones because it's not as big of a deal. So, you know, there's, there's that one. And then, you know, the one that's happening right now, which is Passover is actually fascinating in terms of the impact, you know, sort of how it's affected me (laughs) over the years since, you know, walking away from religion. You know, it, it, it's really been interesting. So, uh, you know, what is Passover? So Passover is a springtime holiday. It usually occurs around Easter. The reason being is that part of the Easter story is a Passover thing. You know, the, if you're familiar with Christianity, the, the Last Supper is a Passover Seder, you know. And so Passover Seder is, is um, this uh, sort of at-home tradition that's an incredibly important part of Judaism, how it functions. And the hierarchy of holidays in terms of, you know, its level of importance in the Jewish faith as it's seen, it's sort of number three. You know, you've got the Sabbath, which is the number one most important. You've got the high holidays, which is the number two most important. Then you have Passover, which is the number three most important. And there's an important reason for that. So the story of Passover comes from the Bible. The tradition of Passover comes from the Bible. What it is is a commemoration of the, you know, of the, of the process by which the Israelites became freed from slavery in Egypt, you know, and it's this whole long process where you get the story of Moses and Moses being born and the Pharaoh sending down a decree that all the Israelites were to slay their, uh, to slay their sons. And uh, Moses's mother didn't want to do that. And so put him in a basket in a basket and floated him, down the river where he was plucked out of the river by one of Pharaoh's daughters and raised as a prince in the palace, you know, and then discovered his true lineage as an Israelite and saw a slave master beating an Israelite and out of anger beat the slave master to death and then fled, you know, Egypt into the desert, you know, and out of fear of being captured and then found the Midianite tribe and found himself and eventually found a wife and found a father-in-law through that wife and then found a burning bush and found the voice of God. And this whole story kind of goes from there where Moses then goes back into Egypt and uses his relationships with the Pharaoh to negotiate for the freedom of the Israelites. The Pharaoh is unhappy with it. Certainly Uh, Moses, you know, warns the Pharaoh, but speaks of plagues that will come. The Pharaoh doesn't free the Israelites. And indeed 10 plagues come that torture the Egyptians up until the last plague, which is truly awful. The death of the firstborn of all living things in Egypt, except for the Israelites. And with that particular plague, the angel of death passes over the Israelite community 
and in doing so leaves them be and, and doesn't take the lives of the firstborn. And so thus the holiday is called Passover. And what you have here is a holiday where through sort of an at-home and at-home only ritual tradition called the Seder, which is sort of like this traditional meal, you know, the story of the Jewish people is told. You know, it's sort of like a Marvel movie, the, you know, the backstory of, <laughs> of the hero. Passover is when you get the Jewish backstory. You know, that, that, that's when you get the, the, the piece in there where you kind of learn where you come from. And that's incredibly important because it's in that backstory that you're meant to find the kind of overall most important theme about what it means to be a Jewish person, right? To remember that we were slaves in the land of Egypt and God freed us, right? That, that we have this like cultural memory. And that's established through the telling of the story sort of over and over and over again. Now, interestingly enough, even though Passover is two things, A, the third most important Jewish holiday on the calendar that happens every year, and B, an at-home and at-home mainly, I mean, mostly, really, really, like most synagogues will do some kind of Passover Seder sort of the second night for the community, but the first night, everyone's at home, everyone's doing it at home. So it doesn't happen at the synagogue. It's facilitated entirely by, you know, individual families, right? So despite the fact that it's the third most important, despite the fact that it's facilitated by individual families, there's only two Jewish traditions that most Jews participate in at some point in their timeline. One is no matter what, no matter the life they live, no matter how religious they are, how not religious they are, most Jews want to have some kind of traditional Jewish funeral. That's just what most Jewish people want. And two, Passover. It's just most Jewish people participate in Passover. Now, there's like a couple potential reasons as to why, but one of the probably most significant reasons is that it's a family-run affair, right? I mean, like, it's one thing to have your rabbi be like, you should come to services. <laughs> it's like, okay, rabbi, I'll come to services. Walk away, not, you know. <laughs> no, why, why would I do that on a Friday night? You know, as opposed to your grandmother being like, so am I going to see you at Seder this year? It's like, all right, grandma, you know, <laughs> yeah, I'll be there. I mean, that's just like what happens. But fascinatingly, it continues on as a tradition even into younger generations, they, they figure out how to make it their own, but they still keep doing it. So as a family, we keep, we keep doing it, you know? So it's a really interesting kind of thing. So like I participate, but also don't participate in Passover. <laughs> it's like, I'm not going to not go, you know, because then it's like, I don't want people to be upset at me. I want to, I want to see my family members, but I also don't like take part in any way, shape or form. Like I didn't, I don't prepare any of the food. I didn't take part in the traditional Seder in any way, you know, that we did as a family. I didn't, I didn't do anything like that. I just kind of sat there and sipped as a root beer, sipped my root beer and kind of, kind of, you know, enjoyed it or whatever. 
And it's always lovely to see family. I've got like an amazing family. Everyone in my family is brilliant and hilarious and great conversationalist and awesome to talk about a whole mess of different things. And, you know, if they're married, they're married to great people. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's all great people. So any excuse to get together with folks and be on zoom for a little bit is uh, a worthwhile excuse in my opinion. So that, you know, that's like no issue whatsoever, but I do feel if I'm being honest, a, a type of internal kind of anxiety associated with sitting there and taking part in this thing. You know, like I went to grad school for this shit, man. I like know it in and out, you know, but I just, I don't like it. <laughs> it's such a funny switch. You know, it's a weird dynamic of like participating in a thing, you know, with people who I love so much in a thing that I just feel so weird about. Does that make sense? It's like, it's just, it's just weird. So, uh, so yeah, it's, it's kind of, uh, it's Passover, you know, it's Passover. So did tonight would have been, tonight would have been second night Seder for folks, which I often usually did second night Seder, by the way. And then it's sort of 10 days of this kind of special fast where you don't eat any kind of leavening, not like leavened bread or leavened anything. And it's this food asceticism you're supposed to take part in. So I don't do that either, obviously. And, and yeah, so I don't know. It's kind of, it's kind of funny. It's kind of funny. So what I find is that I kind of have to like, you know, sort of pace myself and the kind of things that I do in and around these types of annual Jewish holiday experiences. You know, like I don't have to feel great participating in them, but I can still participate in them, you know, and, and, and it can be weird for me and, and I can be okay with it being weird for me. And then afterwards I can recognize that it's just maybe a little tiring, you know, to like, you know, be, re be in a reverential space about something that I don't really feel all that particularly reverential about. And, you know, to give myself space to rest, you know, <laughs> like do the shit that I have to do. So like me and my dog hit up the beach today, you know, made sure to do that. I needed to get a bunch of new swim gear for, you know, my lap swimming thing. I need a new bathing suit. My old bathing suit had become uh, kind of sheer from use, all this chlorinated action, you know. So I was like, man, I can't be swimming and having people like looking at my thingy, you know, just like seeing it just there, you know? <laughs> so like, yeah, got a couple new bathing suits. Also my goggles are falling apart. So I got a new pair of goggles, uh, new swim caps, new hand buoys because my old hand buoys have fallen apart. So got, got that going. So I'm, you know, psyched about that. Hopefully I'll be able to get in the pool tomorrow and get, get a little swim on. And yeah, otherwise just kind of trying to take it easy, you know, just try to relax and not do too much and recognize that if I'm feeling a little off and weird, it's because, yeah, man, it's a, 
It's big time Jewish holiday time. I, it's once upon a time in my life, I'd have been very, very busy right now. And I'd have been especially busy teaching people to make sense of this holiday and to have it fit their worldview and establish for them a sense of belonging as Jewish people to kind of like grab onto these ideas of a type of Jewish exceptionalism, you know, in the meantime, potentially forgetting, you know, the humanity, forgetting, you know, what they, what they really are. So yeah, it's, it's kind of, ooh, it's kind of a weird time. So that's what happens, you know, for, for me, like you get this like weird kind of cyclical thing, like, some people, there's like a, a seasonal sort of thing. When you hit the autumn, it's like the seasonal oriented type depression, you know, where you can kind of feel the trees around you start to go into their winter slumber and start to get a little bit grayer, you know, a little bit darker, things like that. And so, you know, it's like you can kind of, you can kind of feel that. So, you know, f- finding your way, finding your way, finding your way through that is, uh, is uh always always difficult so a lot of people experience that it's kind of like what it's what it's like for me it's kind of like what it's like for me only it's connected to this sort of jewish holiday experience you know so uh passover is like okay all right it's passover snuck up on me Whew, okay breathe breathe we'll get through it and then feel better tomorrow and uh yeah that's uh that's kind of how i feel plus it, it's kind of fun to be a little bit rebellious and breaking the rules you know of like i'm gonna have me like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich with bread you know that's what i'm doing it's supposed to be having matzah but i'm gonna have it on fluffy fluffy white bread (laughs) like the most leavened white bread i could possibly find you know (laughs) you know (laughs) something like that you know so anyway that's the scoop one of these days i'll tell the i'll tell the real story of exodus you know what that what that what that shit is really about. It's a the it's an interesting kind of badass potential for like a backstory there. That's uh that's kind of cool to like what was really happening with um with the story of Exodus. Well, one of these days I'll tell that story. But in the meantime, that's what's going on with me. So you know, please uh, like and uh, comment. Are there comments on this? I don't know if there are comments. Like and subscribe. Please share this podcast with everyone you know, literally, literally everyone you know. Share this podcast with all of them. And uh, yeah, hope you enjoy the conversation. As always, if you want to join the conversation, you can feel free to email me, josh at periveritas.com. I'll write you back. I'll share your email on the show. You know, we'll make it happen. Uh, In the meantime, I do hope you're well. And yeah, looking forward to, you know, I've been I've been doing this closing this closing tag where I've been saying uh, keep it together, and it doesn't like it doesn't like sit right with me exactly. It like doesn't feel doesn't like feel natural. So I think I might be back to the drawing board on that. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. But anyway, so yeah, that's an episode for today. Hope everyone uh, stays well and uh, stays safe. And look forward to continuing the conversation next episode.